The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Retro Pop, your home for bi-weekly pop culture talk right here on the BICBP Radio Network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts alongside, as always, Mr. Johnny Townsend. Hello, hello, Matt. Did you get the card that I sent? It was attached. <laughs> you know what I read? <laughs> Thank you for being my friend. That <laughs> is... <laughs> Yes, I did get your card. Uh, that is right, everybody. We are talking Golden Girls today. Uh, something, a, a TV show uh, that is why I think it's more popular now than it's than it was during its original run. I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive for its original run, but uh, Golden Girls is yeah, it's like this this fixation. There's such a like a a popularity about it. I know, like when I told you, Johnny. That I wanted to do this episode, you were just you were all about it. I was like, "Yeah, good." I had the the Darth Sidious Emperor Palpatine voice, <laughs> good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> type thing going. I, I I'm glad. Uh, I watch it all the time. Same, I do, and we'll same. We'll get deeper into it with our personal history, but uh, it it still yeah, holds I mean, up. This... It still holds up today. Like the oh, the writing so is still really. It's to me. Like even the humor that, that the type of humor on there still holds up today for me. Like I still laugh at a lot of stuff, especially Rose. Oh, she's so great. Yeah. They all I mean they all, oh, they're they all just awesome. had this perfect yeah, but, they just had this perfect dynamic yeah. amongst them. Uh that just works so well and, and it, it yeah, it still makes me smile to this day. Uh, you know, watching that show, the marathons on T V land and, and this and that, I'll just sit and watch. If there's not, not I don't matter a huge T V guy anymore, but I will plant my butt on the couch and watch a marathon of Golden Girls at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever time at night it's on, whatever they do. So, uh, yeah, Golden Girls—it's an important part of pop culture, I think, and that's why we definitely wanted to cover it for Retro Pop. It's legit the quintessential, uh, yeah, it's the quintessential topic. And it's plus we haven't—I was going to say—and it's sort of making a comeback in a way because I, I, a lot of younger people, um, like. You know, our age and younger, and your age, and and even younger are finding the show. Yeah, uh, and it's sort of uh, catching on again in a way. It is. Uh, there's like T-shirts at Walmart. Like I bought a T-shirt. It said Squad and had all four of them on it. I bought it from Walmart a couple years ago. Seven, best seven dollars and fifty cents I ever spent. Uh, it was really nice. But but yeah, I think this is two for us. This is our first TV show episode. Yeah. We've done a movies. We've done a movie. We did the Star Wars franchise, but we haven't done a TV show. So we wanted, I mean, this really helps us show off our range uh, in what we can do with the show. But without further ado, let us get into our personal history with the Golden Girls. Do you remember the first time you watched Golden Girls or uh, maybe a first impression at all? I, I'm trying to think. I, I know for sure the first time I watched it was with my parents, so I was really young. Um, uh, there, you know, there was a time when I didn't have a TV in my own bedroom. 
and uh, I, you know, the family would actually would watch TV together. I mean, the kids kind of didn't have a choice, but <laughs> but luckily, I was very lucky in that most of the stuff my parents watched, I I did enjoy. Uh, you know, like I just use X Files as an example. That's my parents loved X Files, so I was lucky and got to watch X Files when I was young. That's before I had a TV in my room, and I think Golden Girls was another one. I do remember the first time I saw it, and I was kind of. Uh, I don't know if I got and understood everything. Uh, and on the surface of it, it's about four, you know, senior citizen women. And I was a young kid. And I was like, why would... So very yeah, so, very relatable. Yes. Very relatable. I, yeah, I understood everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, But I think that was my issue at first. I was like, there's no way that I would like this. And then the older I got, uh, like I would just give it more chances. Because it would constantly play. And uh, the older I got, the more I liked it. And I think it's kind of where this show really catches on with people is, uh, like, when I, I don't, when, I, I know you'll get into it. I, I don't remember when the show actually premiered. I don't know if it was before I was alive or not. I think it's an 80s show, right? Yeah, I think 85, 86 okay. was the year. I'll have that information. So, literally, I was two or three years old when this came out. So, uh, it's, uh, I, I. The older I got, the more I love it. Like, and now I'm just like you. If if this thing's on TV, uh, I'll end up because they never just play one episode. They always play at least three or four. Uh, like I'm watching at least two or three of them. You know. Oh yeah. And I've gotten to where yeah. like I, I recognize episodes episodes I've seen before. Uh, you know, uh, just always waiting on the jokes that are like the back and forth between these these women. Uh, I th- I feel like it's something that sort of started to. When I discovered that I could be a, uh, you know, I can make jokes and stuff, like, I kind of think that they're a part of that in a way, because, you know, they're really quick with their responses and their wit. Oh, a lot of one-liners yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's more responses than anything. Yes. And, 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 yeah, that it, like, <laughs> and their facial reactions that went with them all the time. Yes. Like, they were just close up on the facial reaction. I think that's what made those uh, shows so, like, even funnier. Uh because they didn't do that a whole lot. You, you watch, like, modern, like, sitcoms and stuff. Like, Everybody Loves Raymond and, and Seinfeld. They didn't really do that. You know, the receiver of the joke, they never really did a close-up of their face. Yeah, I and think that really just I think, sold it for me. I think me. that was a – I think you're right. I mean, there might be a show that I'm missing, but uh, I don't think they really even done that again until maybe The Office, you know. Pro- yeah, that's 100% true. Uh you know, obviously, there's little little bits and pieces, but the way I mean, just it just goes to show how how much everything worked, their production, uh, and this and that. It really helps sell. Like I'll, I'll, you know, I I'm not gonna laugh. I'll laugh at a lot. You know, I'll laugh at the jokes. I don't care. I still laugh at certain things, but um, I laugh more at their facial reactions sometimes than the jokes. That's how talented these actresses were. Oh yeah, uh, they they were so. This is like an all star cast. If you look in, I mean, in hindsight. Or even at the time, this was a legit all-star cast that they had with them. And, oh, yeah, I, yeah, it's such great television. It really is. My, like, my early impression, I used to watch it over my, my Mima's house, my grandmother's house. Uh, you know, and again, like, I, I associate my Mima and, and grandmother with, like, these, like, nice, like, this nice-smelling house that she had. Like, like, vanilla or lavender, like air freshener spray <laughs> yes. and just Italian food and this and that. And, yeah. you know, I, we, when my mom used to leave us there to, you know, to have her babysit, uh, she would have either, it was either that, uh, 
General Hospital. She used to love her soap operas or <laughs> Golden Girls. I think and we have similar grandmas. That's what it sounded like to me. I think so. We, we... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was it. And and you know that's how I kind of grew into it at first. You know, same mentality. I don't really associate with this. I don't know if I can ever get into it. But the older I got, then the more like I guess maybe respectful for the art. And, and this and that, and maybe just developing a true sense of humor, uh, I, I find it magnificent. Obviously, you know, honestly, uh, top five sitcoms of all time. I would put Golden Girls very close to the top. And my from all the sitcoms that I've had to sit and watch, or even just TV shows, that's how much I love Golden Girls. I will watch it. I, you know, I'll watch the repeats. You know, I I've probably watched about every episode at least twice, three times over. I will watch it. I will sit there and be invested in it and watch it like it was the first time because that's how just good their execution was. And uh, that, yeah, That's no, an interesting question. Is, like, where does this sitcom rank among other sitcoms? I mean, I know a lot of people are going to put, you know, Seinfeld in their top five or or The Office in their top five, uh, which I totally understand because if I'm being, you know, if I'm really thinking about it, The Office would be in my top five. But uh, I think for me... This also might be my top five, just of shows that really, truly made me laugh. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of comedies that just kind of make me go, <laughs> you know, kind of like yeah. that. But then there's oh, some. What was it? Uh, Reba and Two Broke Girls. I can't stand those shows. Well, I, I will, I will fight for Reba. <laughs> that's fine. I'll, I'll fist fight you over. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Reba, and that's under, you know that's fine. I get a lot of flack for that, but. Uh, two broke girls. I just can't get into. I, I'm uh, not into that one either. But I will fight for Reba. Okay, uh, okay. that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be with you on the two broke girls. Um, All right. <laughs> but yeah, I. But you know, it's just shows that really kind of appeal to your humor. Uh, you know, the for me, Golden Girls definitely hits the right spot when it comes to my humor bone. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like this. This is beyond controversial to many people in the world. For me, this is for Johnny. For me personally, Golden Girls is way better than Seinfeld, and I know that's heresy to a lot of people, but that's just how I feel. Like I, and it's much, much. It's leaps and bounds better than Friends, and I'll fight anybody over oh that. Oh my god, Friends are so uh, so overrated. Yeah, so overrated. I'm with you there. My parents used to love it. Okay, <laughs> so that we're on the same page. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I will put it up above Seinfeld, even though I do really enjoy Seinfeld. Seinfeld's in my top five without a doubt, but Golden Girls are just. Yeah, it's way more than it's way more marketable too. I think. Yeah, like even still, like it's it's resonance today. Uh, you know, watching, uh, you know, seeing all the merchandise and stuff. You really don't see Seinfeld merchandise ever. You see really. Festivus memes. You see Festivus memes, but you you know, Golden Girls is like hit a renaissance and and uh, and in front or excuse me, Seinfeld is just still being just. Just replayed on like Fox Networks, your local Fox Network. Right. That's that's really about it. Um, but yeah, we love it. We're excited to talk about it. And uh, without further ado, let us get into the history of the Golden Girls. In the magical land of Fluffhuvenhaven, <laughs> some Flugelkaka, <laughs> Sparehuven Krispies, <laughs> Ham and Gudrahal. All right, so here's the, pretty much the rundown the, of everything you really need to know uh, about the Golden Girls. Just really quick, uh, it was created by Susan Harris. Uh, it starred Bea uh, Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, uh, and Estelle Getty. 
And the theme song, uh, Thank You for Being a Friend, was written by Andrew Gold, actually sung by him as well. But um, for the specific show intro, it was sung by Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Fee and uh, ran seven seasons and 180 total episodes, which is a very good run. Uh, every show lasted about 22 to 24 minutes, and the the original release was September 14th, 1985, and it uh, it ended on May 9th, 1992. So oops, that, that's a me. good run. I'd say so. Uh, that's not bad. You see a lot of shows that kind of come and go. Uh, I mean, eight nine seasons, people start getting burned out. But I mean, yeah. this is like what? This is how many did I say? Seven? Yeah, seven. Seven, seven seasons. That's that's a decent run, especially if you consider how, how high profile these ladies were as well. Uh, yeah, uh, they were starting to get movies and stuff at one point. Um, and B. Arthur was big. I mean, this, oh, they yeah. were all like big before this. Uh, B. Arthur is actually a very like classically trained, uh, you know, actor uh, or actress. Excuse me. Uh, you know, and then, and then I remember, you know, every one, every one of them from from other different productions and stuff. Uh, you know, Bia, Bia and uh, Rue uh, were in Maud, which I, you know, they, they were in, in that. So they had been around for a while. Their 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 star their stardom was pretty well known uh, at the time. So, um, so yeah, let's get into the pretty much the creation part of it. Uh, they had actually had ideas for a show about elderly women. Uh, Back in the early 80s, uh, they wanted to do something for the 84-85 season, and they actually joked about it. They did a skit promoting uh, Miami Vice, which was a big show in this era. Uh, they called it Miami Nice, and it was a parody about old people living in Miami. <laughs> and they, they actually, uh, let's see, it starred Selma Diamond and Doris Roberts, who both never made it to, uh, you know, never on Golden Girls as far as main cast. Uh, Selma Diamond of Night Court and Doris Roberts of Remington Steel. Oh, man. Now you're, oh, man. Night Court? I love Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> it was great television. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they did this parody, and they were like, okay, we got we to gotta go through with this. Um, the vice president of NBC, Warren Littlefield, was in the uh, audience when they uh, did this skip, and he loved it. And uh, he's like, we got to go through with the show for it. So shortly after, he met with uh, producers Paul Jungerwit and Tony Thomas, who were pitching a show about a female lawyer. And though uh, Littlefield nixed their idea, he asked if they would be interested in delivering a pilot script for Miami Nice instead. So they were actually going to run through, run with Miami Nice instead of Golden Girls. Uh, the regular writer declined, so Witt asked his wife, Susan Harris, who had been planning to retire after the conclusion of their ABC series, Soap. Uh, she found the concept interesting as it was a demographic that had never been addressed, and she soon began to work on it. And through her vision of a sitcom about women in their 60s, uh, excuse me, though her vision of a sitcom about women in their 60s differed from NBC's request for women about the 40-year-old age, it's a little bit more marketable, I I guess, uh, I don't know, you, you see, watch a lot of these shows, and that's, that's kind of where the actors are in their, their lives, 30s, 40s. It's a little bit, you know, it's easier to relate for a lot of those people. A lot of TV viewers, of course, back in the 80s, that older generation, uh, you know, yeah, they watched TV, but they weren't making time for it. Uh, quite like the 40-year-old generation, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but uh, they liked the, uh, yeah, they really liked it. Uh, they liked the, the premise of Golden Girls and... Uh, 
And, yeah, they decided to roll with it. Uh, the pilot, they did a pilot episode and included a gay houseboy named Coco, uh, <laughs> played by Charles Levin, who lived with the girls. And Levin had been suggested by then-NBC president Brandon Tarkikoff. Uh, what, a, what a name. <laughs> Tartikoff. Tartikoff. There it is. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a coughing noise. Tartikoff. Sounds like what, uh, when you go to the doctor and you got to pull your pants down. All right, I need you to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Uh, so, But he ended up getting uh, eliminated after the pilots. He didn't end up sticking around. So... Then came the important role of casting these ladies, right? You can't just go into this with just anybody. Uh, yeah, that's where the show si- uh, sh- uh, shines. So casting is beyond important right now. Oh, it's oh, it's super, it's super important. They actually went after uh, Sophia, uh, obviously uh, Dorothy's mother. Uh, they went after, they wanted to cast her first, and uh, Estelle Getty was actually the person who auditioned, and she won the role of. Sophia, and actually, uh, it was kind of interesting because I don't know if you have this in your stats or, or your facts or not. I hope I'm not taking this from you, uh, but she was actually the youngest member of the cast at that time. Uh, she was actually a year younger than uh, Bea Arthur. Yeah, that yeah, I do have that in my my things where um, it's really strange if you don't know, but like her, the mom is actually younger than the daughter. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. They, that's how that's how much makeup they put on her. Oh yeah. Uh, to make yeah. her look old. They did a really good job because I, I would have never believed you if you <laughs> like. But they used to. T- my parents used to tell me, "Hey, she was younger than everybody in that." Game. I'm like, "Really? Betty White? All that?" So like, they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, oh, "I'm not. I don't know." But uh, no, it's it's 100 percent true. Uh, but she got the job because she uh, she got a bunch of good reviews from. Uh, in a, in a role of the Torch Song trilogy as a Broadway, uh, off-Broadway special. Uh, but afterwards, Getty had returned to New York, but gained permission from her manager to return to California in 1985, and then she uh, figured it would be her last chance to find television or film work. And uh, she planned to return home to New York if she was unsu- unsuccessful, which we all know she did a really, really good job, and she was a big centerpiece. She got a lot of... Uh, we did a, the reaction post. Uh, we didn't do a poll tournament for Golden Girls, but we did kind of a... Uh, like a uh, a Facebook reactions post, and she actually got. I think I'm pretty sure she got most of the likes. To be honest with you, uh, I was very curious. By Betty White. That's what I was going to say. Those would be my top two as well. I don't know what order I'd put them in though. That's no. t- that's tough for me. We'll do. Let's do that at the end of the show. Okay, let's I like, do that yeah. at the end of the show. Right. I like that. All right. Uh, let's see. Casting director uh, Judith Weiner. <laughs> had <laughs> seen and uh had seen tor- <laughs> wiener uh <had> seen torch <laughs> all right brave face uh had seen torch song trilogy and thought getty was terrific in it uh she was also impressed by getty's audition for the role of the mother uh for a guest episode of family ties and uh yeah getty was she she was the first one cast essentially uh she actually her process was like a three-hour process to get her in in line, you know, get her all ready to go. But uh, so next up was uh, excuse me, Blanche and Rose, uh, Ruin Rue McClanahan and Betty White came into consideration uh, as the series Mama's uh, for the Mama's Family. They they both co-starred in that, uh, but it had been canceled by NBC, and uh, 
they're actually they're yeah I, I won't st- maybe you'll probably have this one in the, in the trivia I won't take that one from you uh, but yeah so they were cast and the last one was uh, Dorothy Dorothy they wanted they, it was funny they actually went in mind of uh, Dorothy being a Bea Arthur type. But they were like, there's no way. They didn't even ask, actually ask her to be a part of it. Yeah, isn't that strange? <laughs> <laughs> we want to be Arthur, but uh, I don't know if we, <laughs> we're not going to ask I, her. I think that happens a lot, too, in Hollywood. Because I've heard many interviews with different actors and actresses where there's like, yeah, they wanted they wanted a uh, they wanted a, a type, but they'll say it like, like, they wanted a Johnny Townsend type, but they didn't want Johnny Townsend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it just it just kind of goes to show you her star power at the time. They're like, she'll never do cable television. Oh, uh, I'll get into. There's some other reasons too, and I'll get into those. Uh, okay, with my facts here. Good, good, good. Yeah, I didn't want to take away from that, but uh, um, they actually because Elaine uh, Stritch was the original uh, choice, and then she bombed. So they asked McClanahan. Did you hear how uh, she bombed? No, she legit in her audition. Uh, I'll go ahead and just share this now because it kind of goes with what you're saying. In her audition, she, uh, the one of the stories I read was that uh, she was she decided she would kind of ad lib some stuff, which is fine, go uh, off script a little bit. Yeah. But when she was going off script, she also dropped some f bombs. <gasps> oh no! Yeah. And they're like, nope. <laughs> and this yeah, is definitely in the go. era where you could not do that. No, no, definitely. Oh god, that's so bad. That's so bad. Uh, <laughs> that's funny and awful. Uh, but, yeah, so she got it. And then, yeah, they, they used uh, Rue McClanahan uh, to kind of recruit Bea Arthur, who they worked with on Maud, uh, the former C- the CBS sitcom. And uh, so, yeah, she she did it. And, uh, I mean, some other little stuff here. Bea Arthur and Betty White actually worked well together uh, in on, on script, but they didn't, like, hang out outside of the show. Uh, this was a big note that they had. Uh, B. Arthur didn't really respect Betty White, uh, which I found particularly interesting because uh, Betty would like go off script, and like after uh, like if they went to a commercial break, she would go pander to the audience. She'd crack a joke to try and make them laugh, and B. Arthur was so uptight and like this old school like actress that she was like, oh, it's so unprofessional. Uh, well, Betty White, out of the four, Betty White was way more of a comedian. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 I look at Bea Arthur in the same light that I, I look, like a lot of like classical act, actors, actresses yeah. at that time. Like, um, I mean, even like, like Alec Guinness, Christopher Lee. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was about to like, bring up the, Alec Guinness. That's how, and she really wasn't like funny, but the, I mean, she was, but the way her, like she carried herself on the show was funny. Like, yeah. You know, it if if you took out the laughter, it would be create some really awkward moments on the television. But uh, uh well, that's for yeah. a lot of shows. I remember uh, years ago when Big Bang Theory was huge. Uh, something that really went viral was uh, they would somebody would take out the laugh track, and they would just play. You know, it would just be <laughs> silence met. Uh, and it was like I was like, man, this this there's some really unfunny stuff in this. <laughs> 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 oh it's yeah it's it's something it, it's it, like, yeah big bang theory is like the biggest culprit of that big yeah. bang, biggest culprit um but yeah there's i mean there's a, so much stuff in here uh you know towards the end let's see that 
Estelle Getty actually had a bunch of stage fright, which affected her from the beginning of the show, and it actually grew worse as the show went on to the point where she would forget her lines and more. Like in season five, she would have to read her lines off, cue cards held off, uh, held by uh, cameras or from props, actually, which I found interesting. And, and Rue, who shared a dressing room with Getty, described the severity of Getty's stage fright. Uh, as she would panic, she would start getting under a dark cloud the day before tape day, and you could see a difference in her that day. And, uh, yeah, she got really messed up. And then during season six, there was a lot of uncertainty over whether B. Arthur would actually commit to future seasons or leave the show once her contract expired to pursue other projects. Uh, B. Arthur was exhausted by the time the the show came to an end, and uh, she agreed to do a season seven, and that was it. Uh, said she would walk away. So they actually tried to replace her uh, with Debbie Reynolds and, you know, to slowly kind of introduce her, but it it just wasn't working. So they decided to end that show after uh, seven seasons. But um, pretty much the overall format of the show, it was shot and videotaped in front of a live audience. Uh, many episodes of the series follow this similar format or theme. For example, one or more of the women would often become involved in some sort of problem, often involving other family members, men, or ethical dilemma. At some point, they would gather around the kitchen table and discuss the problem, sometimes eating late at night and often while eating cheesecake, ice cream, or some other dessert. And one of the other girls then told the story from their own life, which somehow related to the program, uh, excuse me, problem, uh, which usually ended up being Rose. Yes. Those are some (laughs) of my favorite parts. St. Olaf. Those are some (laughs) of my favorite parts. It's just her telling her stories. And nobody (laughs) wanted to listen to them. (laughs) <laughs> it was yeah it was mostly rose and then sometimes sophia would throw up some you know her picture at sicily 19 you know 22 and, yeah. and you know those kind of throwbacks which are always so great and then uh you know some episodes featured flashback to previous episodes kind of gave them the week off and then uh some episodes showed flashbacks to events not shown in previous episodes or to events that occurred before the series began and through, though the writing was mostly comical, dramatic moments and sentimental en- endings were included in several episodes. And, uh, yeah, there's another thing that I'll, I'll say for that. Uh, but it did really well. Uh, it, it, it hit, and it was part of this, this uh, resurgence for NBC. NBC was not doing great in television. And, you know, and then right around the mid-'80s, they really took off. They had Golden Girls, Cosby Show, 227 Night Court, Miami Vice, and L.A. Law. And, uh, you know, they, they, it was commended because it dealt with a lot of com- uh, controversial issues as well, such as coming out, same-sex marriage, elder care, homelessness, HIV-AIDS, uh, discrimination, U.S. immigration policy, death and assisted suicide. You know, they, they really hit all of that. Uh, so, so, yeah, that was kind of that. Um, and it was weird because, like, primetime television, it, it must have been very different in the, 80s, in the 80s. I don't, like, Saturday nights... The show ran Saturday nights. Like, that was its original time slot. Seasons 1 through 6 ran uh, at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. Then season 7 ran at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, you know, it, usually, like, pri- like new show. The, now it's like a weekday thing. Primetime television is like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Uh, you know, new episode of Everybody Loves Raymond to every, out every Monday night or whatever. Um, that's kind of what they did. I don't re- really remember s- growing up sitting around a television on a Saturday night to watch a new episode of a sitcom. Well, uh, back then, uh, it was sort of a almost a death knell to have your show on the weekend, in a way. Uh, oh, yeah. Because that's when most people were going out. And this was before you could uh, you know record things and stuff. So uh, I think it wasn't until uh, you know the 
uh, ABC's TGIF lineup that people would actually stay to watch television on Fridays or Saturdays. Uh, but yeah, you didn't want your back then. You didn't want your show on a Friday or Saturday unless you were in that TGIF lineup. <laughs> and you know they did it. They they did a good job of it. I mean, to, to be able to pull in the numbers that they did. You know, look at I'll get through to them in like Matt, the Matt stats portion of the show in a little bit. But to pull in the numbers that they did was uh, on a Saturday night was very very impressive, especially when there's so much. Uh, so much, just anything else that could be going on, but um, yeah, at the conclusion of the you know the original Golden Girls show, they uh, they had they tried a spinoff. Well, they tried multiple spinoffs, but uh, they did the Golden Palace, which was the, the probably the most well known one, and it was pretty much Betty White, uh, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty reprising the role. There was uh, a couple, you know, guest appearances by Bea Arthur who reprised her role as Dorothy, but. Uh, that show, it lasted only one season from September of 92 to May of 93. And, uh, yeah, they tried it. They were going to do a second season, but it just didn't work out. It wasn't the same without the four of them. And, and yeah, Lifetime and TV Land, they, they tend to, well, Lifetime did play them in between uh, seasons one and, or, excuse me, season seven and seasons one when they do the, uh, when they do the replay, when, you know, yeah, old episodes, but, uh, t- TV Land currently does that, but um, that was really the biggest, uh, you know, kind of spinoff. There's a couple other ones where Estelle Getty would make appearances as Sophia and uh, The Empty Nest and some other shows, but uh, it just didn't work out. So that was pretty much, yeah, that was pretty much that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what a just a just a great show from a production standpoint. Everything, pretty much all we talked about in our personal history and at the top of the show. It was. Uh, they did a good job. They they made uh, <laughs> they made grandmothers comedic and very interesting, and I think they hit a very niche market, and uh, it just it, it did very well. Obviously, yeah, and I think it showed a lot of things. You sort of touched on it there for you know a little bit, where they they were not afraid to tackle some really risk, especially at the time, risque topics. You know, topics that people didn't want to talk about uh, with. Uh, with a lot of class, honestly, for a show that was really had a lot of goofy one-liners in it, they would ta- uh, tackle these things and do so v- oh, they, very well. Yeah. I felt, uh, but yeah, it, it, man, what a show! Uh, and I think the show really, really benefited from the, the the four main women they cast, and that's why if one of them left, it, it, it didn't matter who. If it, just one of them left, it just wouldn't have worked. No, not not in the slightest. Uh, you know, can't forget about. Uh, uh, Dorothy's husband, oh, what's his name? I'm losing it. Oh. I want to say Stan. I want to say Stan. I think it is Stan, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a trip, you know what I mean? Uh, Dorothy's ex-husband, and he'd make sporadic appearances, and they were all funny. He was just this con guy, and he was always trying to get back with Dorothy. It's just, I mean, he was a, he was just, I think he was a, a very important piece, too. Um, obviously not one of the main four, but he would have an appearance probably at, at least once every other episode uh, in some form or fashion. And yeah, and they, just, they would always have different family members from, uh, like they'd have daughters and sons and stuff show up from time to time. Yeah, it was, yeah they, they did a good job of having a rotating, uh, pretty much rotating guest cast, I guess. But yeah. uh, All right, without further ado, let's get into Matt's stats. Can you believe that backstabbing slut? 
All right. So as I said, 180 episodes is what they had over seven seasons. Uh, here are some of their, their ratings uh, as far as, like, viewership and this and that. Uh, starting with season one, they had 25 episodes for season one, which ran from ni- uh, September 14th, 85 to May 10th, 86. It actually came, uh, it was ranked seventh in that, uh, that time frame, uh, with a 21.8 rating for them. Uh, and it's, yeah, it, it only grew, like the first five seasons were really, really good. Season two, which aired, uh, aired from September 27th, 1986 to May 16th, 1987, uh, 26 episodes there, it ranked 5th, and uh, a 24.5 rating. So Season 2 was actually their best uh, their their best season. Season 3, September 19th, 1990, or excuse me, 87 to May 7th, 1988, ranked 4th with a 21.8 rating. Season 4, October 8th, 88 to May, thir- May 13th, 1989, uh, 21.4 rating. And then Season 5 was their last, like, Rating above 20. Uh, ran from September 23rd, 89 to May 5th, 1990, uh, 20.1. And then season 6, 16.5 rating. And then season 7, uh, they did uh, 13.1. And that was from September 21st, 91 to May 9th, 92. So it really fell off in season 7, unfortunately. I think they kind of realized it was coming to an end. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I think most uh, most shows, honestly, if you make seven seasons uh, and you go past that, you're kind of wearing out your welcome in a way. Oh, without a doubt, and it's it's pretty amazing. Like, I I would like to look at it, you know, someday. Some of these shows that did, you know, have like at least a ten year run and see where they start, you know, see where they did well, see where they started to drop off. But yeah. um, which is but, really funny that I said that, considering the show I want to cover next. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Good. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great point. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, all right. So the finale came around, and after six consecutive seasons in the top ten, the, uh, the seventh season came in at number thirty. And the Golden Girls obviously came to end when B. Arthur chose to leave the show, and they did an hour-long series finale, uh, which aired in May 1992, and it was pretty much where Dorothy uh, Dorothy meets and marries Blanche's uncle Lucas, who was actually played by Leslie Nielsen. And, uh, yes, I do, remember this. Yes, they, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Leslie Nielsen fan. So oh, he's so good. Yeah, so good. I would like to spotlight his, his career one day on this, oh, this show. But, yes, uh, yes, we have. To. Um, so they they ended up moving to Hollingsworth Manor in Atlanta, Georgia. Sophia was to join her, but in the end, she stays behind with the other women in Miami, and this led to the aforementioned spinoff series Golden Palace. The series finale was watched by 27.2 billion viewers. And as of 2016, it was the 17th most watched television finale, which I found really, really cool. Uh, and then there's some other the uh, the house that's constantly shown. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of stats for you. It's kind of hard to really get uh, gauge it, but um, the house that was constantly shown in between, uh, you know, it really you know coming off of commercials in between certain scenes. Uh, it's they said it's from Miami, but uh, it's actually a home in Los Angeles, and that, that house is valued at three point two million dollars. Uh, but if it was actually in Southern Florida, where they said the house was from, it'd only be worth seven hundred ninety thousand dollars. I mean, not only seven hundred ninety thousand. Yes, that's still a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's funny. This article I looked it up, and it says. Note to self, retire to Southern Florida, not Southern California. Yeah. Uh, 
So that was, I mean, that's pretty much it. They they just they did really good. I mean, I'm looking at the IMDb or excuse me, Rotten Tomatoes, and a lot of the season did very very favorable. Uh, the first two seasons have a uh, you know a fan consensus, and they're both uh, season one was 86 percent, season two was 100 uh, percent. So you know that's a good that's a good thing that it's held in such high regard. It doesn't have like this. It does have this cult following. Uh, you know, which is really good, but just overall, they did very, very well for themselves, uh, and 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 you know, captured a, a you know just an entire generation. And, and like Johnny mentioned, it's it's coming back. It's like it's like records. Uh, it's like vinyl records. It's you know everything kind of circles cycles back. And Golden Girls is they're they're pretty much right there. So uh, so yeah, actually, I think there was one more thing I wanted to announce say that I, I found um oh what was it they ate a lot i forget what what the stat was but they ate a lot of cheese cheesecake <laughs> i guess i think what i read was that they had over a 100 um cheese like entire cheesecakes yeah i and, think and, that uh, I, and your boy johnny loves a cheesecake so that's oh i'm very yes, jealous I of do. this uh let me try and find that stat Yeah, that was. I mean, that was that was pretty much, that was pretty much it in the in the Matt stats department. But um, yeah, over a hundred different cheesecakes. That was the uh, that was that was the stat line. So, so yeah. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into Johnny Townsend's. Did you know? All right, all right. I can pick up a cue. Picture it. Sicily, 1912. Speaking of mass appeal for Golden Girls uh, today, uh, one Xavier Woods of uh, the New Day, if you watch WWE wrestling, is a giant Golden Girls fan to the point where even in his, uh, uh, he has this uh, YouTube channel, Up, Up, Down, Down, it's usually for video games and stuff, but uh, he actually has in his in his house a whole room just uh, dedicated to the Golden Girls. It's got all kinds <laughs> of uh, you know stuff down in there, so that's really cool. Uh NBC, well, you kind of touched on this, uh, but I'll get more in-depth with this. NBC did not want to be Arthur. They just wanted to be Arthur type, like you said. And the reason was uh, they had a, a rating where they would test different actors, uh, you know, uh, uh, audience appeal, like how the the audience kind of leaned toward them or not. And hers was apparently pretty low. Uh, she was kind of uh, very outspoken on some things and... Uh, at that time, that didn't appeal to the major audience. Uh, so that was one of the reasons why they didn't want her originally. And mm. and like you said, Rue McClanahan uh, was the one who actually pushed B. Arthur into actually pursuing the part. Uh, which was strange because, you know, later on into the show, I mean, one of the main... I think a lot, I'm not even going to touch on it because I think most people know this. Uh, it wasn't like all these, these four women were always hanging out together. That just didn't happen uh, during our downtime. Which made me a little sad, to be honest with you, because they seemed uh, really awesome together on screen. Yeah, their on-set chemistry was like, it's just unparalleled. Yeah. It was really, really good. But, um, yeah, I think that they were kind of like, they weren't like clicking. They didn't all hang out together, but they all hung out, like, most of them hung out amongst each other. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm about to and, and Betty, yeah. Yep. Yep, like, during downtime, uh, McClenahan and, and, and White would play word games together all the time. Uh, that's one of the things that they would do, and you're right. Like they would, uh, they would still like mingle with each other, but it wasn't like all four of them were going to hang out, right? Um, 
uh, Estelle Getty was actually a year younger than her TV daughter. Um, and for her to be aged up, as you said, it took her about 45 minutes in a makeup chair for them to do that, to age her up. Uh, and this, and she actually made it harder and tougher on them because between one of the down uh, hiatuses of the seasons, I think it was between either one and two or two and three, one of the early seasons, she actually had, I think it was one and two, yeah. She had a facelift, so uh, she's making it a, a lot tougher on them. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, at the kitchen table, if you ever notice, there's always only three chairs. And there's always, ever, only three people sitting at that table. If the fourth uh, person was in the shot, they were always behind them at the, you know, in the actual kitchen, maybe at the fridge or somewhere like that. And this was just purely because of how uh, the shot was set up in there. They didn't, they couldn't fit all four in the frame and make it look good. So that's right. truly the reason why. Um, the kitchen set was actually a leftover from another show of It Takes Two. I never watched that show, but I've heard of it. Uh, B. Arthur actually did not have uh, pierced ears, so every time you saw her with earrings, which was a lot, uh, those were always clip-ons. Uh, this is this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, Rue McClanahan, uh, her contract, she had an inner contract that uh, anytime Blanche had an outfit she got to keep it and all her outfits were customized for that character so at the end of the show she actually had 13 closets full of clothes that blanche wore during the show hmm that's a lot of clothing (laughs) yes it is (laughs) um and uh we i think this is a perfect one to end it on we touched on cheesecake just a minute ago i love cheesecake they went through a lot of cheesecake on the show However, B. Arthur actually did not like cheesecake at all, <laughs> so she was kind of forced to. Uh, uh, if you ever watch, if you ever really watch it, they don't do a lot of actual eating, <laughs> which is uh, sad. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> How do you hate cheesecake? What a monster! <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I I did want to. You said that was your last one. Yeah, that's my last one. I did want to add something. Queen Elizabeth the second was actually a big fan too. I didn't mean to. Yes. I don't mean to steal your thunder, but. Uh, she actually had him do skits and stuff uh, as well, which I found personally for her, which I think is a really cool. Uh, Talk about power, well. huh? That's some real power. Oh right yeah, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Eat the cheesecake. You will uh, perform for me. I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, there's some great. Those are some great facts there. Uh, let's get into really the the impact the of. The Golden Girls on modern pop culture. You know, they feel like they're bossing their mothers around. Ma, stop that! <laughs> yeah. The Golden Girls' success is, is pretty amazing, especially when you consider the time period, um, you know, of television. And I think it, I think it trendset quite a bit uh, that there wasn't really a specific age age market. Um, you know, you can really cater to. Uh, you can do any age market as long as it's good quality television. And, you know, it was watched by people from all sorts of different ages. And I think that helped pave the way for, you know, some other future different shows featuring characters of, of various ages and, and, and body types and this and that. I, I really think it paved the way for stuff like that. Yeah, it definitely did. And, and just to show off its staying power, the fact that I still consider – Golden Girls a part of today's pop culture. There are plenty of shows that were around when this show came out originally 
that you don't even hear talked about anymore. Night Court's a great example. Night Court is a show that I loved, uh, but you don't really ever hear anybody talking about Night Court. Uh, but you do hear people talking about Golden Girls still. No, one, 100%. I mean, you can kind of see it in this day and age of, of nostalgia. Uh, Golden Girls is constantly brought up. You see you see merchandise. Like, my wife has a has a game uh, called Any Way You Slice It. I'm not even sure how it's played. It's some kind of card game, but it's a... Uh, he has the Golden Girls on it. You know, there's calendars. Uh, you can pretty much find it, T-shirts everywhere. You can pretty much find them on, on just about anything. Uh, in, in fact, one of my wrestler friends, he, uh, he goes by the name of RJ City. He would uh, he has a knee pad with Bea Arthur's face on it from that show. <laughs> and what he would he, it would be one of his, his uh, signature moves, and what he would actually use, he called it the Nia Arthur. He would take down the the first knee pad and then be arthur's face would be on that that knee pad and he would hit him with the Nia arthur uh the, <laughs> the rj city just became one of my favorite wrestlers <laughs> oh dude he's so so good you yeah know i know that? he is yeah, yeah i've actually heard of him but yeah uh yeah he's, that's pretty I, i've heard of him because he does a lot of stuff with uh who's that actor who went wrestling oh um, uh crap <laughs> i can't believe blank on his name he was david, the arquette, WCW, david arquette yes the yeah, wcw champion himself yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he uh, he works for the ESW, that place. Uh, to listeners who don't know, Empire State Wrestling is a local pro wrestling place here in Buffalo, and I do commentary for them, and, and RJ City frequents there. So we, I've gotten to see the Nia Arthur maneuver quite a quite a few times, and it's been, it's been pretty enjoyable. Especially, I want you to start of- selling the crap out of that. Like anytime he does it, do it like uh, you know when Shinsuke Nakamura hits his move, just go crazy <laughs> with it. <laughs> I, I I I probably should, or I'll make a Saint Olaf reference or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so that I mean that's that goes to show you. I mean here it is, thirty damn thirty years later, just about. Oh well, it's been over thirty years, uh, and this show is still resonating within pop culture, and people get it and they understand it and they love it. Uh, you know, I think it it's it's a good sign that how big of an impact that it was. Uh, it really was like their, their style of comedy was just really like so well done and, and not very duplicated, uh, not duplicated often. You don't you don't see that style of comedy like the one liners and this and that. You don't see it repeated often. And yeah, I have, and and another thing that works for the show too is that all four of them had sort of a different kind of comedy. They had, yes. I mean, they had different personalities, but they meshed well. Yes, they really did. They they seamlessly, uh, you know, almost. And I think that that goes such a long way, uh, you know, when it could, you don't want everybody cookie cutter feeling the same. There are some shows, right? Like I watch Big Bang Theory and I feel like, you know, most of the guys are just like the same. Uh, yeah, you just, they just feel similar, but yeah, they're very, very, very different takes uh, on comedy. You know, I, like Dorothy's, like, like I said before, the sternness, you know, she would just yell and yell. And Betty White's like, I mean, she hasn't changed. Her acting style hasn't changed a bit. Uh, you know, little tweaks here and there, but her her comedy, her take on comedy, has is largely been the same. You see her in in newer shows and in movies and stuff, and she's pretty much been the same. Uh, and she seemingly hasn't aged a day either. My God, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. It, it's it is it really is. So uh, yeah, just a, overall, just a great great cast. It worked well, and you know. So I think let's let's do this real quick before we rank our. Our personal yes. uh, Golden Girls. Which Golden Girl do you feel you are, Matt? Oh, 
man, that's a very tough one. Uh, it I think it depends on the day, but unfortunately, the older I get, the more I relate to uh, B. Arthur, Dorothy. Yeah. I, I, I really, truly feel. What about yourself? Oh, man, I wish I could say Rue McClenahan, but... <laughs> because the older I got, the more I realized how awesome she was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I th- I'm probably way more of a Betty White. <laughs> I could see that. No, yeah. I could definitely see that. Which I'm totally cool with because I love Betty White. So I'm 100 percent cool with that. Yeah, that's not a bad, not a bad thing at all. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I Dorothy is like the, like you said, she gets angry. She has like a different take on comedy, and then she's very like smart too. And oh, the older yeah. I the older I get, the more like books and like stuff that I read. I try to be like a little bit more knowledgeable, so I relate to her. Uh, yeah, so I, I really do. But uh, so yeah, let's rank them from least uh, least favorite to most favorite. Do you want to start yeah. this one off? Yeah, I don't mind. And I'm just going to uh, say before I do this, I legit love all four of them. Yes, that's so. Important. Even though one of them will be fourth or AKA last, they're still you know. Dang awesome in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with... This is really tough, honestly. I think they're all so awesome, and they needed each other for the show to work. Uh, but I'm probably going to go with B. Arthur, even though the more I think about it, the more she was the one that kind of was the glue that held it all together. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go with her for my fourth. Okay. What about you? Uh, For my fourth, I think I'm going to do... Oh, man, this is tough. Yeah, I told you, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I could honestly see myself putting, oh, man. I'd probably put Blanche as my fourth. And, you know, not I can't obviously can't relate to her on many levels, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just, I, I always found her funny, but, like, at the, like, at the worst possible times, like, annoying, in a in a good way, you know, in a, in a good way, uh, kind of like like Cartman, like he drives me nuts on South Park sometimes. Like he just he just intervenes at the worst possible times. He's hilarious, but it's just like at the same time it gives me it stresses me out. So I'm gonna put <laughs> Blanche as my fourth. All right, um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Blanche as my third. This, this is tough though, uh, though I'm quite jealous of, of her lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Who's your third? My third is going to be uh my third is going to be Sophia. I am. Uh I'm gonna put her there. She you know, funny. She plays the guilt game uh a lot at convenient times. Great storyteller, uh without a doubt. But uh yeah, I can't picture her at my top two, even though like I said, just an overall great character. Yeah. And she she had probably some of the best one-liners of them all. That was pretty much her role was dropping a one-liner here and there. Uh, so yeah, be our, or excuse me, uh, Sophia is number three. Yeah, Sophia is my number two. Uh, man, I think the thing that really helped, I think the thing that really helps with the show in general is, you know, most people uh, have grandparents, have two sets of grandparents at least at one point in their life, and there's a and there's a good chance that one of these women's going to remind you of one of your grandmothers, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, and Estelle Getty sort of did that for me. Uh, she kind of reminded me of my grandma Townsend a little bit. So uh, I think that's why she's she plays even more into my heart and soul. 
So I'm going to put her second. And you're right. She had some of the best one-liners for sure. Easily. Uh, my number two is going to be – it's going to be Betty White. Uh, Rose. Uh, she was hilarious. She was another <laughs> – she was another one. Like, her, her comments, like, oh, was so, like, masterfully done. Her execution and, and the, the timing of jokes – Obviously, like she would just play dumb and she'd come in at the worst possible times, but she'd make things funny. Uh, she wouldn't really aggravate the same way that, like that, like Blanche did, like in certain situations. She would just be a really good way to break up tension. Uh, I forgot who, I forgot which character, some offshoot character, like somebody's sister, sister in law, or cousin, or whatever, came in and and she was trying to, she was basically coming out, and, and Betty White brought in some treat that was like really. Just poorly timed, and and it was just oh, she was so good, and like I'm glad to see that she's still alive and kicking, you know, to this day for for that reason that you know that the laughter, I, like I'll sit in, in the living room by myself and laugh when when Rose does something, uh, yeah, out loud. I don't I don't do that often, but she was just that good. Yeah, Rose is my number one easily. Uh, is well, not really easily because you know it gets more jumbled up the older I get, the more I like all four of them more and more, but. Uh, man, she would always make me laugh, still does to this day. Uh, it's just, this may sound strange, but there is a real art to playing dumb, honestly. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> she's so flipping good at it. And on top of that, the other reason that her character really grew on me is she always meant well. Yes. Like never once did I feel she was being selfish, really. And if she was being selfish, she felt guilty about being selfish, uh, so I think for me, she was one of the more in television, even I would say she's one of the more well-meaning characters, uh, in all of television ever. She is, uh, my favorite probably Rose moment was, uh, you know, just a little quick sidebar. Uh, they were at some like city council meeting or something like that about a tree being removed. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. And the one neighbor next door was like really grouchy and she wanted it gone. And, and, and Rose is like, no, we got to keep it. She made a comment about the neighbor dropping dead, and right then and there, the neighbor dropped dead. Yes. <laughs> so she thought. Yes. <laughs> so she they threw a funeral. She threw ended up throwing a funeral, and nobody came to it. But like that's how like like that's how good of a person her character came off of. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why did she just drop dead? And then the lady just magically drops dead. But no, that was that was uh, one of my favorites amongst the host of others. But. Uh, yeah, and then obviously my remaining one is Bea Arthur, Dorothy. Uh, relatable. Her co- like I keep saying it. Her comedy was you know uh, just so different, but it was like she wasn't like trying to be funny. I mean, obviously her lines were meant to be funny, but uh, if you really look at it from a character perspective, uh, her lines weren't meant to be funny. She was actually kind of rude. And the older I get, I kind of find myself being. <laughs> that being a little bit more relatable, uh, you know, being a, like a smart ass, like just very sarcastic. And she was, she was so incredibly sarcastic, but yeah. uh, a wealth of knowledge too. You know what I mean? Just a, a good friend. Uh, no nonsense. I think that's just the best way to put it. So yeah, I've always find B. Arthur to be my favorite personally. Yeah. And I think one thing I really liked overall about these four characters is you could tell they actually really cared about each other. Yes. Uh, they would always help each other out and, you know, always try to be there, even if, uh, even if they were like fighting with each other. Like you could still sense that, you know, that they actually mattered to one another. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we, I think we both made it pretty apparent. We love Golden Girls. We do, we definitely do. And with that note, this is the end of the Golden Girls episode. 
But also, Johnny gets to say what our next episode is going to be. I am so excited for this. Johnny, why don't you tell him? Uh, the Samsons. That's <laughs> right. We're going to cover uh, one of the longest-running shows in television history, uh, The Simpsons, coming up soon. I think uh, I think only, oh gosh, what was that, Gunsmoke? Did it beat Gunsmoke? I think it finally beat Gunsmoke. I could be wrong on it. I'll look into that when we uh, do the show. But we're going to be covering The Simpsons for the next one. Uh, man, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I, I grew up in an era when... Uh, you know, the Simpsons really started and I got in trouble. I'll tell more about this story when we talk about the show, but I got in trouble at school because of the Simpsons. Did you? <laughs> yes. So, uh, plenty to look forward to coming up soon from us. That's going to be great stuff. But, um, yes, everybody, they, you know, thank you. We get lots to look forward to. Um, some special, more special episodes planned for the coming months. Uh, but happy new year. Hope you all had a great one and a great Christmas time. I know it's been that long since we've talked to you. Uh, obviously, being bi-weekly, we don't get to you know be there right uh, in between every holiday. But uh, we appreciate your support uh, heading into the new year, and can't wait to uh, really show off what we have in store. Uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks right here on Retro Pop. So what Matt's trying to say is thank you for being our friend. <laughs> <laughs>